Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Whenever it is that you're watching this, whether it be from your couch, driving down the road, Sunday morning, or uh, Monday on the way to work, we're grateful that once again you are allowing us to be part of your life. You are allowing us to come into your world and minister to you. To those of our LifeBridge family that we have not seen uh, because of COVID and, and all that is uh, involved with that, I want you to know that we miss you. And we cannot wait until we are able to be reunited in some form or fashion um, as one faith family. Today we're wrapping up a series that hopefully you have read, studied, and now have heard this will be the sixth message on what James is communicating to Christians who have been scattered abroad. Now, these Christians are facing persecution from political attack. Uh, they are facing religious opposition. And because of this, they, they've had to flee. They've had to scatter from their homes. And so James ends his letter, uh, what we're going to talk about today, by giving followers of Jesus a serious yet often overlooked responsibility. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. I'll be reading from the ESV. He writes, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. One of the realities of being a follower of Jesus is that defection from the truth of Jesus in your life is a possibility. There are no guarantees that once you become a Christian and once you dedicate your life to Jesus that you will always have your eyes on the cross and will never get off path. And the ESV uses the phrase, wanders from the truth. And the reality of our faith journey is that most likely at some point you will wander from the truth. It happens to the best of us. As we study the phrase to wander, it suggests a gradual moving away from the will of God. You just think through that for a second. In your life, has there ever been a gradual moving away from the will of God? The Old Testament term for this is backsliding. I, I, I'm going in one direction and then I slide back just a little bit. Since wandering happens in the faith, as brothers and sisters, we need to be able to recognize how this happens. If we can recognize the, the signs or, or what is taking place, then, then maybe we can aid this person who is wandering from the faith. <clears throat> now, in our personal faith journey, one of two things can be happening. You can either be maturing in your faith or you will be backsliding. You are either moving forward, becoming like Jesus, or you are moving away from his character. I get the argument. 
sometimes people think, well, I can just be idle. Maybe I'm not moving forward. Maybe I'm not backsliding. Uh, I'm just kind of sitting here not doing either. But the reality is being idle, or as we like to compare it to hot, cold, or lukewarm, being lukewarm, as it is often said, has the same outcome, or worse maybe, of that of someone who is backsliding in the faith. Now, the point that James is making doesn't mean that in your backsliding state that salvation is lost. Uh, but you are not moving toward being like Jesus. That, that's the, the point of wandering from the truth. Now there is a danger in this, and the reality is, is that you can backslide so far, you can wander so far, that salvation is lost. We want to avoid that. And so when a follower wanders, there's usually a pattern that takes place. I've thought through this in my own life, and it wasn't just a, I all of a sudden started wandering. There was a pattern. There were some things that took place, some behaviors or some habits that, that were not part of my life that led to me wandering. The Bible reveals two basic steps to our wandering, and we're going to look in Hebrews, and Hebrews talks about these. The author of Hebrews gives us several things, and we're going to look at three passages to look at two basic steps that leads to someone wandering. Hebrews chapter 2 is where we will begin, verse, uh, verse 1. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation. It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. The warning is that we should pay much closer attention to what we have heard. When we quit paying attention to what we've been taught, we can drift away. The warning here is a gradual moving away from a fixed point. Of course, the fixed point is the Word of God. It is God Himself. And to avoid this, we are encouraged to pay much closer attention to what we already know. The author of Hebrews is writing to his audience, and he's trying to get their attention. Please pay attention. Maybe you, as parents, have said that to your kids. I, I remember the scene in Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back in the Star Wars saga has been on uh, recently, and I was uh, watching some of in Empire Strikes Back, and I remember the scene where Luke decides to leave his training, and he goes to rescue Han Solo and Princess Leia and, and the others. His training is not complete, and Yoda encourages Luke to stay and finish the training. Luke, being noble, being stubborn, decides that he must go and make an attempt to rescue his friends. And Yoda gives him this advice, mind what you have learned, save you it can. 
the lesson is that we are to pay attention to what we already know. If, if we simply pay attention to the things that we have already heard, we are most likely not going to drift away. If we simply pay attention to what we already know, it diminishes our chances of drifting away. This goes along with another passage from Hebrews. Hebrews 5 verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here the author of Hebrews uses the phrase, the becoming dull of hearing. And it's implying that we refuse to listen to the teachings. And he says, once again, you need to be retaught the basic principles. Becoming dull of hearing. As we become dull of hearing, as we get to the place in our faith journey where we start to tune out the things that we've heard, tune out the things that, that we have been taught, the author says that we remain immature. We, we remain on a diet of milk. The simple yet powerful truth of these passages in Hebrews is that wandering away happens when we neglect the Word of God in our lives. Yeah, let I me mean, just think about that. Think about that general statement that, that wandering happens. It's, it's going to happen in our faith journey, and it happens when we neglect the Word of God in our lives. And so the second part of the wandering pattern is also found in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The unbelieving heart and the hardened heart can be used interchangeably in most places. The heart is usually hardened over time in most instances in Scripture. We become calloused toward certain teachings or instructions. And as we do, the heart becomes hard. This happens when we quit paying close attention to what we have been taught. As we stop that, as we, as we quit paying attention to the things that have happened, our hearts become calloused. A hardened heart happens when we allow, see if you can relate to this, spiritual insensitivity to set in. That's what leads to a hardened heart. When I become spiritually insensitive, the heart becomes calloused. And that callous begins to grow another callous. And as the callous gets harder and harder, 
it will eventually lead to the heart being hardened. A little white lie told over and over again begins to become something that originally is small, but it leads to becoming deceitful and having a deceitful heart. Looking at that image one time, it's no big deal. But that spiritual insensitivity leads to doing it again and again until there's a major problem. Missing church one week isn't that big a deal. Oh, but then we miss two weeks. And before we know it, two weeks turns into six weeks. The hardening of the heart happens when the spiritual insensitivities increase. The author writes that none of you may be hardened by deceitful, by the, by the deceitfulness of sin. He said, don't let your heart be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. The lies we tell ourselves is that giving into sin a little will not be that bad. This little white lie to get me out of this isn't going to be that bad. This, this one image that I look at is not going to be that bad. This one TV show or this one song or whatever it is in your world, we tell ourselves it's not going to be that bad. But the author of Hebrews is like, don't let your heart become hardened the deceitfulness of sin. As these two things, as I ignore God's word and my spiritual insensitivities increase, I, I, begin to, I begin to wander. And I can look back at times in my life. I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old. I can look back at the times where my faith journey has wandered off the path where I've wandered from the truth. And there was an absence of God's word in my life. And there was an increasing amount of spiritual insensitivities. Church, we must be diligent in our devotion of God's word. So starting next week, we're, we're starting a new series that will take us through to the end of the year. And we want to finish out the year with teaching where we've spent most of this year, and that is in spiritual disciplines. All of these disciplines are rooted in Scripture, and when applied to your life, they will keep you from wandering from the truth. And Jesus lets us know that our best life happens. Our best life happens when we are on a path that leads to becoming like him. That, that's why he told everybody, come and learn from me. My way is easy. My yoke is light. And so when we come and we learn from him and we live within the truth of, of his message, Wandering doesn't take place near as often. But it's going to happen. Followers are going to wander from the truth. James is seeing it lived out. He's writing to the Christians. And so when followers of Jesus backslide, when they wander, it is the responsibility of the church to help this person return to good standing. The other day we were in the Outer Banks and I had a kind of a, a guilty moment. 
we were busy, we were running some errands. And there was some young people who had kind of gotten into a little bit of a fender bender. And this particular um, turned out to be a young lady, teenager, somehow got her car into, <laughs> into an extremely deep ditch. And, and everyone was fine. You could see the laughter of the kids and you could see the embarrassment of, of the one. But because of where I was and what I was doing, I, 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 I didn't bother to stop and help. And it hit me as I was writing this sermon after that incident that, that I could have had a, the part to play in helping this person get out of the ditch. Now, I don't know what I could have done. I could have picked up the phone and called a record service or I, I could have done something. I could have done something to help this person get out of the ditch. But instead, I just kind of took the position of uh, it not that bad. They'll be okay. And I went about my business. Church, it is the responsibility of the church to help people get out of the ditch when they have wandered from the truth. Back to James 5. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, I know that this is not a direct command to go and bring back those who wander, but James is consistent with other New Testament writers in sharing the belief that we are responsible for helping one another on our faith journey. It's just a biblical truth that we are responsible to one another. And when someone wanders, we cannot take for granted that they will simply come back. I was thinking about this illustration. If, if your child is in the road and a car is coming toward them, are you going to simply assume that they will see the car and move out of the way of danger? No. You warn them. You yell at them. You do everything you can to get their attention. You may even go as far as pushing them out of the way when they are in danger of going down or being run over by the car. This has to be the same mentality when it comes to a wandering follower. But in the church, we struggle to practice this. And most of the time, we aid and abet the demise of our brothers and sisters because we say, just as I did with the young lady in the ditch, this is none of my business. One of the most misunderstood principles in all of Scripture is the responsibility that we have one to another. That is why we value and we emphasize healthy relationships. Hey, would you say to someone who was unaware to them that they were in the street and a car was coming toward them, well, that's none of my business. No, no. And so we need to start caring enough about one another to be there to help turn someone from his or her wandering. And when we are willing to make this effort, 
when we are willing to make this effort, look at what happens. We save, not we as in we, we do our part, but what this is what happens. We save his or her soul from death and we cover a multitude of sins. Now James is drawing, when he writes this, he's drawing this from Solomon and what he wrote in, in Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Love is so much more than spoken words one to another. Love is something that requires action. Love does not happen without sacrifice. And biblical sacrifice or biblical love is measured by the sacrifice you are willing to make for someone. And God demonstrated this type of love for us. The love that we are to have for one another, God demonstrated this love for us and it's measured by sacrifice. Look at John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And God said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my son to the world on your behalf. Look at Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God said, I'm going to let my son come to earth and I'm going to let him die for you while you are living outside my will, while you are a sinner. So God demonstrates this sacrifice and it takes sacrifice in the name of love to go to the person who is wandering and bring them back. God said, I'm, I am going to go as far as offering my son as the sacrifice you need in order to be brought back from your sinful wandering. And so as we, as we close this out, I'll, I, want you to, uh, I want you to do a little mental exercise with me. I want you to picture someone in your world who is wandering. Maybe it's a friend, co-worker family member. I want you to picture someone in your world who is wandering. You know that they are not on the path of spiritual growth. They are not on the path of becoming like Jesus. Do you have their face in your mind? Do you have the image of them in your mind? Now, as you think through this, what kind of sacrifice are you willing to make on their behalf? Are you kind of in an apathetic stage? You're not really thought through this? What, what kind of sacrifice are you willing to make on their behalf? God said, I'm willing to give you my son as the perfect sacrifice you need. One of the sacrifices we will have to make is with our time. Unfortunately, this is not one of those things that we can just throw money at. If we're going to bring back someone who has wandered from the truth, it's going to take our time. 
How much time are you willing to invest in bringing them back? How many times a day are you willing to pray for them to simply say their name to God? Are you willing to engage this person with vulnerability, sharing of times when you have wandered and drifted? As you think through these questions, I, I, I feel I know what you're thinking. Give us the how. Give us the how to reach someone who is wandering. As I was wrestling through this, I, I came to the conclusion that hey, there's not a three-step process for returning someone. I, I can't give you do A first, and then B, and then C, and they will automatically come back. In, in, in human nature and God's economy, it doesn't work that way. But I can teach you about reaching out to the person in your world. There are some things that I can share with you as you consider the questions of sacrifice and vulnerability and willingness to do so. There's three things, real quick, that I want to share with you. If you're going to reach out to someone, the first thing that you need to do is build trust in the relationship. You need to work on just building trust in the relationship. If they don't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. You build trust by spending time with them. You build trust by, by not being judgmental. You build trust by not correcting every single thing that they do. And it takes time. It takes time to build trust. But if you don't have that, the first thing that you need to do in the relationship is to build trust trust. The second thing that you need to do is you need to always approach them with humility. If you come within, if you come to them with an ounce of arrogance, you are going to tear down what rapport you might have. So as you're building trust, as you're giving of self, as you're making sacrifices on their behalf, you must come to them with humility. If you come to them as they've wandered from the truth and you're a know-it-all or you come across as a know-it-all, you're going to turn them away. I have an ex a, a 20 years of ministerial experience breaking these two rules. The third and final thing that I would encourage you to do is to pray. To pray continually for them. Well, shouldn't that have been number one? You're going to always be praying for the person. Prayer is the most powerful resource that you have available to you. Now here's the thing. A lot of times as Christians, we, we stop at prayer. But that's there's more to it than that. We have to do our part. Stepping out there and building trust. Stepping out there and and, and practicing humility, that's our part. And God is going to work through you and your willingness to trust Him with what's going on. We have to do our part. 
Prayer covers every bit of this, but we have to do our part. And here's the thing, church, and I want to just share this with you as we close right now. You are not responsible for the responses of the people who wander from the truth. And you're not responsible for, for being God. As a matter of fact, it's not going to be you that turns them back onto the right path. Okay? Understand our part in this, though, is what God is going to use and what God is going to leverage to bring them back. And when we have restored, when we have restored this wanderer to the correct path, a soul has been saved. So I ask, as you go into the relationship with the person in your mind, What sacrifices are you willing to make to bring back someone who has wandered? Till next week. See ya.